0: From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is Living the Dream Balboa Island, where we showcase extraordinary people, businesses, and regional history that influence the beauty and civility of our world-class coastal community, hosted by yours truly, Tom Dior. Today, we are uh, honored and excited to be joined by Don Abrams, broker and owner of Abrams Coastal Properties, after careers as a... Assistant U.S. attorney with the United States Justice Department and as a CEO of a national retail company, Don purchased a small real estate firm and transformed it into Abrams Coastal Properties, one of coastal Orange County's most successful independent brokerages. Feel free to check out their website at abramscoastalproperties.com. Again, that's abramscoastalproperties.com. Don, thank you very much for having me here in your office on Bubble Island.
1: Thank you. I'm honored to be here with you.
0: Yeah. Don, we as we talked about before the show, is, we'd like to start our show off if you have a quote or a prayer or a mantra, or something that, that, that kind of once in a while tickles your mind a little bit as you go through uh, life. Well,
1: my marketing director came up with a slogan for the business, which I kind of like. It's, we make it happen. And it's something that we, you know, when we work with our clients who are looking for homes or selling homes, we always like to say, we're going to make this happen for you. And most of the time it really works, but it, that's kind of having that positive outlook that we will
0: make it happen is, is, has helped us a lot. Where, where do you think that you got that? Done. Obviously, not just professionally, but even personally. Maybe in your life, where you, you there was a situation or circumstances where you you had to make it happen.
1: I think I got some of this from my dad. It was very very positive. You know, he, he his glass was always probably ninety five percent full, oh. and people would come to. And he and I worked together in business for many years, and people would come with a problem. And he would always try to say, but yeah, but what's the worst that's going to happen if that versus what if it goes the other way? And he'd always figure out where the silver lining was and how to turn a negative into a positive. So I, th- I think I got a lot of my outlook from him. And if, if you don't me honest, are you imparting that
0: with your son as well? I, I
1: Yes. I, okay. I'd like to have a positive outlook on life. You know, so many things can Go wrong in life, and as I learned from my dad, there's there's almost always a silver lining if you if you're willing to keep your eyes
0: open and look for it. And if you can, where do you think he got that? If you if unless he's maybe ter- told you, or maybe you can just uh, I don't know.
1: It it could have well have been from his parents, who were immigrants uh, from Eastern Europe. Uh, I I never asked him where he got that outlook, but he he always. Uh, you know, he always there the, are much worse things, done. We'll, we'll make this, we'll find a silver lining here. He always did.
0: The silver lining, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about bringing you to Bobo Island. How did you first arrive?
1: So I had moved to Newport Beach in 1982. And at the time was working, like I said, in business with my dad. And moved to sort of a suburban neighborhood in Newport Beach. And one day a friend took me down to Balboa Island, and I had never been there. And as soon as I was there, I said, I've got to live here. Uh, and it takes, took me back again to my family. We had, my, when I was 13, my dad had purchased a house in a little town called Westbrook, Connecticut on Long Island Sound. And Balboa Island is on Newport Bay, very similar. We had a boardwalk, actually, that ran through our property our house in connecticut and i love the boardwalk that went around here and so as soon as i found the island i said this is where i have to live and i would every day i would drive down from my suburban home park my car run the three miles around the island and while i'm doing that look for houses i finally found one that i really liked and when it came on the market i bought it Uh and then some years after that, I continued to live here, and I was in the family business. Uh, we decided to, to close that business, and uh, a gentleman I knew was selling a brokerage, and I bought for him and went into the real estate
0: business and
1: kind of self-taught myself the business.
0: When you say self-taught, it, was it just there's not many courses, many degrees in it at that time?
1: Well, I, I shouldn't say self-taught. I had some experience. When I was back in uh, Washington, D.C. in my law school days, I had gotten myself a job with a builder as I was going to school at night, and I worked for a builder part-time during the day, helping him renovate homes, and I was like a carpenter's helper. But he realized that I was more than a carpenter's helper, and he, helped, he taught me how to find homes for sale, which he would then sell. So I, I went out, was scouring different neighborhoods, uh, finding homes for him to sell. And then when, after he bought them, he would renovate them and we would resell them. So I, I wasn't licensed and I was just working with him. But I kind of sunk my teeth into the real estate business. Uh, and I always liked it. And I, over the years, I, I bought and renovated myself seven homes in Washington, D.C., and then resold them. So I, and I had, again, going back to my family, we had this house in Connecticut. When my parents bought it, when I was 13, my job for that first summer was to renovate this house built in 1895 by the Budweiser family. So all summer I was sanding and repainting and varnishing and stripping wood and building fences and. I just got to love real estate from that experience with this particular house, and after that, whenever if I would go for a boat ride or a bike ride, and there was an open house, I would stop. So I just I had, and then I went to college and law school, bought the seven houses in Washington D.C., lived in each one, then renovated them, and so then when I was here in California, leaving the family business, I thought, well, I could either go and become a lawyer, which is a background I had. Or I always loved real estate. So I bought this kind of mom and pop real estate firm. Didn't really know what the business was. The, the owner told me, he says, well, you just hire a bunch of agents and you'll be the broker. And I soon learned that, that agents weren't attracted to the small brokerage. They wanted the big name firms. And I did have an agent who worked in the firm who was sort of a mentor to me, who taught me a lot of the techniques. But I just kind of got lucky. People would walk in and I'd be sitting there and they'd say, I want to buy a house. And I realized that as an agent, you got a percentage of whatever your sale was. But as the broker, you got 100%. And someone came in one day and wanted to buy a Bayfront. And I said, boy, I can really do this. And so I was new to the business. I sent out a postcard saying, hi, I'm Don Abrams. I'm the new brokerage, the new broker the business called, it was called Rumble Realty at the time I can help you, here's my home phone number and people love the fact that they could call me and then eventually I changed it to here's my cell number and pretty much if you will sit with me during the day you'll see I answer virtually every call 24 hours a day and people love that, the fact and that's really was one of my claims to fame is that I always answered the phone. I mean, the other thing is I I answered the phone and helped people, uh, and I I knew my product, and I I was conscientious, but still to this day, the fact that people can reach you, most people let things go to voicemail or it's an email or a text. People love human communication, and that's been my success, I think, in
0: large part. We're moving so... rapidly, we're already in it, into the digital, what is called the digital age with so much, everything electronic and online. In your experience, do you feel that that human connection is going to be as valuable, if not more so, in the digital age? I was an
1: early adapter of computers and the digital age and I, a lot of my, we we do all, of course, our contracts online and a lot of the people I, I work with, my competitors or people in the industry still do not know how to write a contract. They'll have a third party in their office do it and they don't know how to research. I was an early adapter of the computer age and I can do things. My son who's 15 still comes and is very techie, comes to me for advice sometimes on something with a computer. And he's built computers. He, I mean he knows a hundred times more than I do, but he doesn't he's not such a good researcher. I've got Google and every other tool there is and I can come up with the answer and understand it. So I think the digital age is helping us, but still the human factor is key. When it comes down to negotiating a sale, I sold three homes in the last month. And all of them involved what are called multiple offers, where there were several offers. And in one case, there were nine offers. In another case, seven offers. And I represented buyers. In both cases, I won those sales for my clients. But a good part of the reason was I knew the brokers involved, and they knew me. And they knew that my clients, number one, are good clients, but two, if they were in a transaction with me, would have a high likelihood of closing versus maybe someone else who wasn't as reliable. So I still think the human factor
0: is the most important thing. Absolutely. You're listening to Living the Dream, Bobo Island. We're talking today with Don Abrams, broker and owner of Abrams Coastal Properties. Feel free to check out their website at abramscoastalproperties.com abramscoastalproperties.com. Don, in uh, in your experience, what's changed in the last, say, three to four years in real estate, specifically to Balboa Island? Well, the
1: pandemic, when it started, of course, it looked like the world was falling in. And everyone was off for several months, and it was very, very quiet. And then I noticed this phenomenon where people realized they were going to be spending more time in their homes as opposed to out and around and they may be working from home. And so all of a sudden there became a huge demand for people who had nice homes to have nicer ones. And our business really took off. And 2021 was probably the biggest year we ever had. Uh, It was just so much of this pent-up demand. Uh, So it was very good for real estate. Uh, The thing that's happened the last two years has been more of a scarcity of real estate product. Once people got into these homes they liked, they didn't want to move. And as the Fed has raised interest rates, it's become less likely that someone wants to move because if they have a low interest rate, they're buying a house with a high interest rate it's not not as palatable uh but still there are plenty so we have a low inventory at all times here on balboa island the last couple of years it's been four or five homes for sale at any one time the normal inventory is 15 to 20 so it's very very low but they're turning very quickly so we're still selling a lot of homes because they're selling quickly unless they're overpriced or has something wrong with them
0: i'll ask you a question that puts it even maybe even further ahead is if you can envision the next five years let's just say keep it five five years what do you see in the in the marketplace as a snapshot
1: well i think more inventory will become available we'll start to get to a uh a less overheated because prices also went up rapidly during this period of time, maybe 20-25% over a few years, which is abnormal. I think we'll be returning to a more normal uh, market where prices go up three to five, five to ten percent per year. More homes will be on the market. Uh, prices for interest rates will will decline to more palatable
0: levels, and I think we'll have a more normal market, which would be great. I notice uh, uh, it's very, uh, for our audience here, it's, it's very home. It's, it feels very comfortable. It's very homey. But you also have a mixture of the technology. Like at the front, you've got the, the digital, the homes, the video, uh, just <laughs> as high tech, I'll, I'll say. How do you balance both of those and, and know how to leverage both of them?
1: That's a good question. I'm kind of an old world guy. So if you notice, we've got the high-tech in the windows, but inside we've got pictures and artwork of old Balboa. And I like to see a blend of both, and I think my clients do too. My uh, clients in our business are quite varied. They go go from people in their 30s to people in their 80s, and many of the people are are older because these homes are fairly expensive, and you have to have accumulated fair amount of wealth to afford them. But I I think, well, if you look at the island, it's the same thing. You'll see the quaint old cottages and brand new homes. And people here like both. I mean, I just saw a charming little, uh, basically one-bedroom house. It's, I mean, they're calling it two bedrooms, but it was a one-bedroom cottage that I sold a couple of years ago that just resold. And it's just the picturesque, charming little cottage, and it's selling for over three million dollars for a tiny little cottage. Uh, you could, but the newer homes now are five million. They used to be three million and four million. Uh, so I think we're, for a long time we're going to have a, a blend of old and new here, and it's kind of the same with my office. Kind of mirrors uh, what's going on around us.
0: You you talked earlier about how your father and you. Uh, taught you the business, and even just kind of a bit about human nature. Are you doing the same with your son?
1: I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, like one thing that I, I, my dad taught me to do is always know numbers.
0: Always know numbers. Okay. You yeah. know, because
1: and he was he was a graduate accountant. I I wasn't. I went to Georgetown University and history, government were my things. But it's always know numbers and always know percents and know them way before anyone else in the room so that if you're negotiating something or you're in a deal you know the number before everyone else and you can negotiate quicker and i try to impart things i know i mean but it, and my son is also a blend of old and new he can build a computer but we also have a Lionel railroad we I, we oh, built a room in our house did you really? and we've got a huge uh, Lionel uh, railroad And during the pandemic, you and I talked about a a charity I like. I'm a founder of the Balboa Island Museum here on the island. At the beginning of the pandemic, when nothing was going on, they asked us to build a a scale model of a a train layout featuring things from Orange County's history. And so we spent a couple months. Every day, he and I would go from our house and bring trains over and lay tracks and build scenery and... So he he's a blend of the, the new and the old world
0: too. That blend of the new and the old world. Is that something that's been a bit of a fascination for you?
1: Yes. Yes, I I well, I I think my son's a renaissance man with with these things. <laughs> he's he's like I said he's got all the computer knowledge and and the skills but yet yeah, he was in, in a, uh, a play with his school recently. There's a playhouse in Long Beach that he and some friends were involved in, and they did The Princess Bride, and he had one of the lead parts in that. So he's, he, he's got a wide range of interests, which I think makes a more complete and happy
0: person. What made you get involved in the uh, museum? Well,
1: there was a lady here on the island, she's since passed away, who first had the idea... And she approached me, I guess, because she thought I was a leader in the community. And I knew some other people who were charitable. And we would meet at this lady's house when we first started talking about the museum. And then since I was in real estate, I helped find. We're now at our third location. It's a permanent long-term lease. But we had two other locations beforehand. And Since I was in real estate, I helped find and negotiate uh, the leases on those. But what I love about the museum is it, 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 again, brings the old Balboa as well as the new and the different characters who are here and people like John Wayne who are in the area. And I, I guess I have a big interest interest in the history of of this island
0: and, uh, and Newport Beach. We talked, I'm not sure if we talked before the show or this is part of the show because it just intrigued me is something your father said about you got to give.
1: Yeah. My dad taught me early on, he asked if I had given to a certain charity and I said, no, I didn't, it wasn't my particular interest. And he said, Don, that's your obligation is to give to charity, to give so much to this charity and and other charities that it's, it's an obligation uh, that we have to do. And I've done that and I've, Tried to impart that to my son as
0: well. What's your thought on, on on why that is important? Not just from a moral, but just from a... Uh,
1: well, I don't think it comes natural. Okay. I think hmm. pe- pe- people don't naturally give money away. People are trying to make money, and they want to have it for the, for their children and their family, but it's not a natural thing to give money to others. And I, I, I think it's again something that there's, there's so many good causes that, that that are needy. That it, you know, I'm glad my dad taught me that. I, I don't think I would have known that. Is that right? Really? Yeah. yeah it's, I just don't think it's natural.
0: Yeah. So if you if you had not heard that, you don't think it would have been something you would have picked up?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, I've been involved with charities, but but a big part of it was because he encouraged me. <laughs>
0: Can you share with us a a unique—I'm sure there's many, but he may say recently—experience with a a, a buyer that maybe came in, didn't think they could do something, weren't sure they were ever going to get what they wanted, and then they ended up doing it. Like a a silver lining, as you said. The silver lining. Well,
1: yeah, that's interesting. I had this client. I had sold his his, uh, cousin two houses, and he'd been wanting to— buy a property to build on uh, for quite a while. And we'd been taught, talk- I've never met, him. It's- to this day I haven't met him, other than on, on the phone or online. Uh, but he'd been a client for several years and everything that came on always sold quickly because he-, he wanted a house to tear down. And finally one came on a couple months ago and I had two clients who wanted that property. <laughs> and that's sort of uncomfortable. So I had one I was going to represent and I had the other someone in my office was going to represent so we wouldn't have a conflict of interest because it's, to me, it feels like a conflict to have two people going for the same property. I mean, it's legal to do that, but it's a conflict. And this particular client, at a certain point, there was a bidding war in that house. He decided he couldn't go forward and then two weeks later another house came on and I told him about it and at first he was discouraged and I said I think you can get this one and there were nine offers uh and I had a close relationship with the broker who had the listing we'd done a sale the prior year on a very expensive home and he had a lot of confidence in me and ultimately my client got this house we just closed uh yesterday. Uh And he wrote to me, he said, Don, I had almost given given up hope that I would be able to acquire a house on, on the island, but through your efforts, I was
0: able to do it. So that's one. Outstanding. This is Living the Dream, Bubble Island. We're talking today with Don Abrams, broker and owner of Abrams Coastal Properties. Our public service announcement for Today's show with Don is the Balboa Island Museum. The Balboa Island Museum in Newport Beach was founded with a mission to document, preserve, and promote the history and culture of Balboa Island, Newport Beach, and Orange County. It's the only historical museum devoted to collecting, conserving, and presenting the local history and culture. For more information, feel free to visit their website at balboaislandmuseum.org. Museum dot org. Don' there's uh obviously the, the history of uh, the island. What do you foresee? And let's just have a real fantasy of this in the next say twenty or thirty years for the island. Like just just from the past, looking a little bit in the rearview mirror, but also seeing ahead. What 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 do you see? It'll always be a, a blend of that old new, and present?
1: Well, yes. Well, one thing that it will be is we'll have our utilities underground. Okay. Right now, we've got the telephone poles, which sometimes can look iconic if you look at it (laughs) a certain certain way, but I've always been in favor of underground utilities because I always thought if we had a fire, it would be a conflagration with all those telephone poles linking each house to each other. Uh, And for other reasons, I've been a big proponent of the undergrounding and now it's already completed on little island 15 years ago and it's being done here on the big island when we were first talking about it on little balboa island which is where i live there were people who favor it and people who didn't and i raised my hand and i said anyone who doesn't want the underground utilities because it's too expensive i'll pay for yours if you will give me the your first year's appreciation in the, your home. And, uh-huh, and we voted do? 100% yeah. in favor. And the little island was done 15 years ago. On the big island, there was more back and forth the first time it was defeated, but now it's been approved. And it's all in the works now. And, and that'll be not only nice cosmetically, but all the streets are going to be repaved. And you, if you notice now, they're, they're all kind of torn up. Uh, So I see that. I still see a blend where the older cottages will still be. I own two houses, one built in 1937 and one built in 1940. And I intend to keep those as historic houses. And I'm a big believer in the old cottages. But some of the houses, when they were built, were not that great to begin with. And they're just no longer viable. So I, I think we'll always have a very interesting blend of old and new, and interesting people uh, move here. It's it's not for everyone. Being basically six feet from your neighbor, you know, it's just someone who's more sociable, likes to sit outside, talk to their neighbors. And I think we'll still cater to that that person.
0: Yeah, that level of humanity is uh, important. I be- absolutely yeah. believe absolutely. Believe. When
1: you're six feet away. You you you, you got to be someone who can. Be friendly and outgoing.
0: The legacy of Bobo Island that obviously ties into that. I, I look at it more of a kind of a caretaker of a legacy. What's your thought on that? How How do you mean exactly? Uh, you 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 understand the past. You appreciate it. You're definitely there in the present, but you're also looking at the future, so you can have, kind of preserve it all and have kind of a beauty and a civility to it. If that's something you value as well
1: oh i yes i i it's my neighbors uh on either side when they go out of town we all send each other a text or an email saying we're we're, we're gonna be out of town could you keep an eye on our house you know if any packages come uh and i i some years ago uh, i'm jewish and i have always for hanukkah i have huge menorahs and jewish stars on my house and my house is kind of in a prominent location where it's very visible and someone from my synagogue who knew me said don aren't you aren't you worried you know that people who are anti-semitic will see your very visible display of judaism there aren't that many like it aren't you concerned about that i said no i'm not concerned i said uh for one thing i i I know all my neighbors and they know me and I'm looking out for them every day and I think they're looking out for me. So I feel very, very safe here.
0: Is there anything you'd like to share, Don, that we may not have touched on for your show? Any thoughts, any ideas, whatever, I'd love to hear it. I think your audience would well, as well.
1: Well, one thing, uh, during the pandemic, you know, we were all the businesses were closed for a while and Then we, of course, reopened, and I am so happy to have this business on the island that I can come to pretty much every day. Uh, I've had a couple knee surgeries, and I think a lot of people who have this type of of knee replacement would stay home for weeks, months, because it it can be unpleasant. With me, after the first couple days, I'm so happy I can come back to work, be with the staff that I really like see people coming in all all day I, I feel like i'm just fortunate to live here and fortunate to have a business that i can come to and enjoy as long as i want outstanding
0: don it's been an absolute pleasure an honor and a pleasure uh you being on the show thank you very same, much
1: same thank you so much for having me i hope I that, we'll have
0: you on again soon I hope i'd that, love that okay perfect thank you thank you very much Don. you've been listening to living the dream bubble island Our guest today has been Don Abrams, broker and owner of Abrams Coastal Properties here in Newport Beach and on Balboa Island. For more information, feel free to visit his website at abramscoastalproperties.com. Again, that's abramscoastalproperties.com. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week.